This is episode 155 of the Landscape Photography Show, and if you listened to part one last week, that was 154, we started our discussion with Darren White. Before we get into that discussion, the part two, I want to talk about our sponsor for the podcast, and that's Nature Photographers Network. Right now, you can go to naturephotographers.network and sign up for a year membership, but just by listening to the podcast, we're going to give you 10% off of that fee for a year of $49, and if you use the code LPS10, you can get 10% off of that for the entire year. What do you get from that? Well, for less than one cup of coffee per week, what you're going to get is exclusive content from your favorite photographers. You're going to get feedback on your photos and how you can become a better photographer. This is literally priceless information for the cost of less than you're spending for coffee every single week. Again, you can go to naturephotographers.network and sign up using the code LPS10. So go ahead and do that, naturephotographers.network, and sign up using the code LPS10. 10 for 10% off. In this episode, we're getting into part two with Darren White. Last week, Darren and I talked a lot about, you know, how he started in photography, some of the things that he is experiencing now as a photographer, being a dad and, you know, watching his daughter grow up and being a photographer at the same time, an intricate balance that a lot of us play. That's a big question I get all the time. This week, we're really getting into what Darren attributes his success to, um, how he has become a successful photographer, how he has become a photographer who makes sales. We're going to talk about making print sales too, plus some juicy discussions as well. So sit back, relax, grab a beverage of your choice and enjoy this discussion. We've talked about your style of photography a little bit, um, and I've been following you for for quite some time as somebody who just, you know, I enjoy looking at other people's photography. Um, You are kind of this self-described person who goes their own way. Um, You said earlier, you know, when you put your mind something, you go for it and you do it. How, How can you define like the success you've had in photography? Like what can you attribute that to? Dedication, time. Um, When my wife and I moved to Colorado 10 years ago, uh, we made a conscious decision that I would be a quote, stay at home dad and self-employed and run my own business. Um, The plan was to do that for two years until my daughter got into like third grade and then I would go back to work. Well, here we are 10 years later and that hasn't happened yet. And there's no signs of that happening. (laughs) So, um, I've put a lot of time into photography. I've put a lot of hours into the field, into the processing, learning what works, what doesn't work. Um, knowing, the capability of your camera and the gear that you have, um, you know, a, a Sony, just for an example, a Sony uh, RX 100 crop sensor, you know, camera isn't going to have the same low level light ability that a Nikon D850 is. So 
if I go out and take pictures with some friends and they have a different camera that's not, you know, if we have different levels of cameras and they say, well, why does your picture look like this? And why does my picture look like this? Um, it's like, well, one has, one has better low light ability than the other one. Um, but at the same time, I can get your images to look just like mine with some processing techniques and um, some shooting techniques as well, especially if it's at night. But I think the most part to answer the question is just the amount of time I put into it, um, learning the shooting techniques, learning the post-processing, learning what my cameras can and can't do, um, and, and always wanting to improve the quality of my images. If I look at images from 10 years ago when I first moved to Colorado, you know, they're not nearly as good as what they are now in, in my opinion, and in terms of like print quality images. And that's really what, um, that's really what my goal is as a photographer is to not just take images that look good on Facebook and Instagram, but my goal is to be able to, to produce images that people want to hang in their homes and offices or display you know, on corporate walls or things like that. So they need to be able to print up, you know, really large and have really high quality to them. So when I was shooting, just for an example, when I was shooting um, night photography, even 10 years ago, I was still using single exposures. I, I never wanted to go over ISO 3200 on my camera because of the noise, but things evolve over the years. We have way better um, post-processing now. We have way better um, software to help with that. Um, we have way better shooting techniques where you can capture more images to get more good data to end up with a, a much cleaner image. Um, just just all, things are always evolving and staying on top of that learning, learning those techniques. Um, I feel that over the last 10 years, especially my photography in terms of quality has, has really improved. What about on the business side? <laughs> the business side is really interesting. Um, you know, I wish I had more metrics to go, go off of as far as what works and what doesn't, but here, here's one thing because people don't need people don't need photography in their homes. They don't need to spend thousands of dollars on a picture when they can go down to Target and get a picture of a New York skyline for forty nine dollars. Um, so it's hard to to decipher, you know, how how can I put this? So how money comes in and where sales come from. Um, because art is not something that people have to have. It's something that people want. And I can tell you through, through many, many years of, I've been on social media since 2009. And back then it was fairly easy to sell a picture on Facebook. Um, meaning that I could put up an auction for an image uh, I could have several hundred people bid on it 
and I would sell it to the highest bidder. If you do that today, you might get two or three people to bid on it. And 99% of the people who follow your page aren't even going to see the post. Um, but as far as the business side goes, everything, like I said, the plan was to be self-employed for two years. And then I would go back to um, being a, a working dad working for somebody else. But it's crazy how it's been 10 years now and things have gotten better every year. I've, I've made wonderful relationships and business relationships with so many companies throughout the years. Um, and I think for me, one of the benefits of that is, is that I'm very responsive. If a company sends me a message, I respond right away. And if I'm traveling, it's, it's something like, Hey, I got your message. I'm away right now. I'll be back in two days and I'll respond, you know, just letting, letting them know that, Hey, I got your message. Um, and I'll take care of it as soon as possible. I know some people who get, get business inquiries and they put it off for a week or two weeks. And by then the, the company's already found somebody else. So being responsive, being super dependable to the people you do do business with is another key issue. You know, my, my goal is always to treat people that I work with the same way that I would want to be treated if, it, if the shoes were on the other feet. So, um, I, I built relationships with companies who they probably could go out and get other people, but they know that I'm going to be reliable and that they can count on me and that my my getting back to them and my meeting their deadlines isn't going to put them in jeopardy of having something bad happen on their end. Sure. And that over communication for them is probably like a security blanket or almost a form of insurance and knowing what they're going to get every single time with, with consistency, as you've said, you know, putting that diligence and consistency into your work too. Yep. And I always, one other little tip that I always do is I, I under promise and over deliver. So like just mm -hmm. yesterday, I got a, a message from a company that needed an image for a project they're working on. And I said, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll get it to you, you know, by Wednesday. And, um, I had it to them Monday afternoon. So I always make sure that I, I give myself a little bit of cushion, not too far out to make them think that, Hey, are we going to get this in time? But mm -hmm. give myself a little bit of cushion in case something comes up, but then I'm always right on it, no matter what it is. Hmm. Interesting. I, you know, something you said, um, and this made me trigger a thought about like you leading workshops, things like that, teaching other people is, you know, people don't need art in their homes, photography in their homes. I've seen a real shift in trend from, you know, I started in 2010 when it, I feel like the shift was starting to occur. Uh, and noticing that in the trends, but going from people don't need art in their homes, but they want to know how to do it themselves so they can produce that themselves. Yeah. Um, I've always said that the biggest compliment I can ever get as a photographer is when another photographer wants to buy something of mine. Um, 
I, I think that's just, that's crazy. I mean, I've had, um, I've had some other photographers that have bought some of my work and regardless of their level of photography, it's still amazing that somebody who has good camera gear, who knows how to take pictures, who could literally go take the picture themselves still wants to buy one of my pictures. And it doesn't happen very often, but it does happen from time to time. And that that's amazing. What's the most memorable one? Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, I hate to say it, but I sell a lot of pictures. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, what, and it's, you shouldn't hate it's, to it's say that. That's me, great. It's hard for me to, to, to like to pinpoint one, but I'll, I'll give you an example. This isn't about a, a sale of an image. This is about um, somebody who wanted to come and and go on a little photo walk that I was leading. So I didn't have a permit for Rocky Mountain National Park at the time, but I offered a quote unquote free photo walk. I took no money. Um, my goal was just to help people with location and and how to how to take some pictures while we were there, right? So I, I got zero dollars for it, but there was a gal. Um, I'm not going to say the name, but she's an extremely well-known photographer, lives in California, works in the healthcare industry. She travels all over the world and she wanted to come out and do this with us. She literally flew. It was either her and her husband or her and her boyfriend at the time. I'm not sure which, but she literally flew out from California, did this one night and flew back. And I was thinking to myself, that's interesting because you really didn't need me to do this. You know, you could have done it, but I'm, I'm very honored that you would want to, to come and join our little group and, and be a part of this. So for me, that's still something that I think about, um, today, like, Anytime I see her speak or anytime I see her, um, you know, post images or, or talk about her work, I always think about that. I'm like, I still can't believe you came out to Colorado to join our group, to take pictures at night and then literally fly back one day. Like that's just, this still blows my mind. So to me, that's, that's the one that's going to stick with me till the day I die. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you probably I'm not. I, I won't guess because you said you weren't going to mention any names. Yeah. Was that justifying for you? I don't know if justifying is the word. It was actually more confusing because it, <laughs> because her work was equally or better than mine. And. I just, I don't know. I still, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around it. And maybe it was completely genuine and maybe she really did want to see this location at night. But I, I still think to myself, why? Like I would have made a, at least a three or a four day trip out of it to see the other parts of the the country, you know, or, or the area. But just to literally fly out, join the group, be there for a couple of hours, and then fly back, that was just bizarre to me. <laughs> it's nice. It, it's got to feel good, though. It does. 
but I've always wondered what the angle was. Oh, okay. Okay. You know? That's, that's fair. I'd probably do the same thing, honestly. I'd probably, you know, wonder how, like, first of all, who does that? Second of all, how is this benefiting you, right? Yeah. Well, not me. How is it benefiting yeah, them? Right, exactly. You know? Hey, real quick, I want to talk about today's sponsor for the podcast. That's Nature Photographers Network. Right now, you can go to naturephotographers.network, sign up for a year for just $49, plus get 10% off using the code LPS10. Just by listening to the podcast, you're going to get exclusive articles, exclusive content, exclusive webinars, plus feedback from your favorite photographers all over the planet. Hey, and make great connections with other photographers all over the planet too. Again, that's naturephotographers.network. Use the code LPS10 during checkout so you can get 10% off of that as well. Let's get back to my talk with Darren White. Now, after... All this time has passed. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, you sell a lot of photos. Um, where do you see that that part of photography going? It's hard to say. Um, I've been very fortunate in print sales over the years and like I said, I don't have the metrics to back up like where I know where they're coming from. I know what what outlets people are buying them from, but I don't know I don't know who the people are that are buying them. And that's mm. I think to me that's interesting is because I can literally put up something on Facebook saying, "Hey, I'm offering these prints this size, this discount, you know, contact me directly and I'll get you the best price. And then I can literally go to my website and there'll be like two or three sales at full price. Hmm. So I know for a fact that over the last 10, 12, 13 years that there's no, at least for me personally, there's no direct correlation between the followers that I have on Facebook and Instagram and the sales that I'm making. I know that for a fact. In fact, I can tell you one thing here. Let me look at something just real fast because I've created a discount code because I was trying to figure out where, where the sales were coming from, right? So I figure I'll create a discount code and I'll put that discount code in certain places and then when people use it, I'll know that they were the ones that used it. Makes uh -huh. sense, right? Uh -huh. So I created this discount code. Almost four years ago. And it's only been used 80 times. Okay. Out of probably close to 5,000 sales. Uh-huh. So to me, that's interesting. It's a bit odd. It's a bit odd. Right. So I, I'm very, very, very thankful for the following that I have on Facebook and Instagram, even though those outlets don't really show my work to the people who follow the pages. 
but I, I'm thankful that I have those because I really enjoy the the interactions that I have with those people. If people comment on my stuff, I always reply. I, I'm, yeah. you know, because that's what social media is. It's it's a two way street. It's not just me posting stuff, you liking it and commenting, and then me just going away and not acknowledging you. So yeah. I've always thought that social media is a two way street. You know, there's the creators and then there's the viewers and I feel that the two should interact together because as you do that, then the algorithms, you know, they, the algorithms do what they got to do, but they, they take those interactions and they use those to generate more visibility to, to the creator's posts. Sure. Um, so I always reply to people's posts or to people's comments. Um, I like to have the interaction. I've, I've made some great friends on my social media accounts that I would have never made otherwise just by doing that. And so I'm very thankful for that. But at the same time, the social media pages probably only account for a fraction of a percent of the sales. Hmm. So because, so because I don't specifically know where 99% of the sales are coming from, it's hard to say. I'm thankful that they're there, but it's hard to say. Well, it's interesting because you have, you know, a lot of Facebook followers mm -hmm. and a, a nice little handful of Instagram followers as well. Yeah. And, you know, 10 years ago, like I said, it was so much easier. I can go back, like I can look when my memories on Facebook pop up, I'll look at some of the, some of the stats on those images and, and I'll have like, you know, three, 4,000 likes and, you know, maybe a couple hundred shares and, you know, maybe, you know, 900 comments or something. And today you just, you don't get that because there's so much content that those, mm -hmm. those platforms have to figure out how to prioritize what they're going to show to specific people. And mm -hmm. there, there's just too much content. You can't show everything to everybody. Um, so I, I don't know. I just, you know, I just go about my day. I, I post my images at specific times of the day. Um, I reply to comments usually the following day. I, I try to keep interactive with the people. I post stories, you know, what I'm doing, where I'm going. You know, if I'm on a trip somewhere, I'll just post in my stories until I get back. Um, you know, I, I try to, I keep my accounts active, but I just, I don't know. I don't know where most of the sales come from and I don't get too concerned about that because if I did, I'd probably pull my hair out if I had any. So you, you might risk overthinking it. And I think it brings up an even better point for people who, you know, maybe are looking to make some money with photography or, you know, have questioned about whether they want to do that or not. I, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this too. I kind of take the approach of do, do what's working for you. Mm -hmm. And once you find that groove and you start to get results, like don't try to figure it out too much. Just yeah. lean into what that is and do it really, really well and be the person who does it better than anybody else. Yeah. I just, I wish I knew what that was. Um, you know, I, I listen to a few podcasts and there's a lot of 
there's some similarities when I when I hear other photographers talk about business. And, you know, one of the things is always um, create an email list of subs- subscribers and, and make sure you stay in contact with those people. Back to back to what I was saying about how I want to be I want to treat my clients and customers the same way that I want to be treated. I literally do not want people sending me solicitation emails. And so for me, I could, I probably send out through my website, maybe, maybe three or four emails a year because I don't want to have a print of the week or sale of the week or, you know, whatever it is and just constantly bombarding people with, with emails. And sure, if you got, let's say you got a thousand subscribers and, you know, two people or three people buy the print or whatever. Yeah, that's probably pretty good. But, but I just, I don't want to be that person that continually gets your emails. And I don't want to be the person that continually sends out emails because I don't want to be the person that gets those emails. And to me, I think it's annoying. And so I think that sending those emails out, I think that the other people are going to think that it's annoying as well. So I really, really try not to send out business type emails that are unsolicited. What if it's an email that gives people value, like teaches them how to do something with zero ask and return? So that's one of the things that I'm doing. I I just recently built a new website and I'm, it's still, it's built, but I'm, I'm building up the content on it, so to speak. So that's what I'm trying to do with my blog. So when I, when I post a blog, the subscribers to the website will get that notification and then I'll post the link onto my social media accounts. And then if people want to go read it, fine, they can go read it. If they don't want to go read it, they can just pass it by. There's no harm done, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to create a blog, you know, like, 10 tips on landscape photography and then blast it to, you know, 1500 people through an email campaign. That's just, I don't know. Maybe it's just something about email because I get so much spam email. I don't want to be a contributor to the problem for other people. And I figure just like myself, if there's, if there's content out there on a website that I want to stay up to date on, I'll, I'll go back to that website and I'll look at it or I'll follow that company or person on social media. And then when they post about it, I can just click the link and go to it. But there's some, to me personally, there's some negative connotation about email solicitations. That's fair. Not a fan of the email. Not a fan of the email for stuff like that. I use email hundreds of times a day, but not sure just in that in that realm and aspect of things, it's just not for me. I I have one question. Uh, you mentioned your website and just reading through it right before we jumped on here. I wanted to ask you something that I found really interesting in your about page. Um, and, and we'll land the plane with this. We'll finish up with this. But um, when you're listing out like what you like to do with your photography, and then down below you say other hobbies and in other hobbies you list astrophotography or night photography 
why list that separate from like your photographic like vision and put it into the hobby category? Um, so I probably, okay. I see what you're looking at. Um, so this is a great reminder that I probably, it's probably time to update that. <laughs> um, so that was written probably at least 10 or 12 years ago. And okay. even though I've been doing night photography since I was shooting with film, I, I was doing night photography back then. Um, at the time that this was written, I was way more into landscapes. Okay. So, okay. so this is, I, I appreciate the reminder <laughs> to probably go back and redo this. And this is just on one website. If you look at the other website, it's probably not like that, but okay. nonetheless, yeah, I appreciate the reminder and I'll, I will get this taken care of today. I, I personally have not touched my personal website for four years. Yeah. So I, I wholly understand what, what that's like and everything. And it's but, not something you think about. I mean, no, you got your bio, you got your description. It tells people what they need to know. But yeah, there's this one little caveat because now I literally have been teaching night photography for, you know, close to 15 years um, it's not really just a hobby anymore. It's actually part of how people identify me. Um, so yeah, I appreciate that. No, it's hilarious because I was having dinner last year with a group of photographers and they were all talking about, you know, I haven't updated my website or put any new photos on my website in like three months, something like, and I'm like, it's been like three years for me. It's shocking <laughs> how much people are doing that. But Darren, I just want to thank you for joining us on the podcast and, and coming on and sharing your thoughts. This is really insightful and uh, I really appreciate the time. Yeah, no problem. And if anybody has any questions, they can reach out to me and I'll be happy to answer them. On what website, what email? Um, you can find me at darrenwhitephotography.com and you can also find me at my newest website, which is letschaselight.com. Um that's the one that I'm I'm building as a personal brand and where my blog is located as well as the workshops that I'm offering. All right. Thanks so much, man. Thanks. So that was a really good two episodes. You know, part one and part two really come together to give you a great view at who Darren is, how he's become a successful photographer. And I hope that you were able to take a lot of information away from our discussion about what it takes to become a great photographer, what it takes to have balance as a photographer, what it takes to love photography while you're doing it, not only just for fun, but as a profession too. I think Darren provided a lot of great uh, information and tips to you, the listener, so that you are able to achieve whatever success that you want to achieve as a photographer. Now, if your you know, goal is to just take a better photo this weekend, go out and do that. If your goal is to start your own business with photography, go out and do that. The one thing that you need to remember is you're just one photo away from making that happen. Don't give up on it. Keep going and tune in next week for another podcast episode.